The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 17th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could not say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted, or you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would, let, would say to your slave who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table? Would you not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve while I eat and drink? Later you may eat and drink. Do you, think, do you thank the slave for doing what he was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, we are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. The Gospel of the Lord. Y'all can be seated. So I, I think there's a few of us of an age who may have a memory that's similar to mine of seeing a young man standing on a sand dune and gazing out over the horizon. And as he looked up, the twin sons of Tatooine hanging in the sky. So maybe I'm not the only one who's seen that. I, I grew up, one of my first memories of, of seeing Star Wars was on TV in our living room. And, uh, and I guess it, was, it must have been in Columbia by that point. We, we, I lived in Florida when I was a small child. And uh, I remember that scene so vividly, not, not really because it was Luke, but because it seemed so real. And then I looked and saw the two sons and I realized this place isn't a place like where we live. And as I grew up, you know, the, the story of Luke Skywalker growing up and becoming a Jedi and gaining power and, and might and authority and, all, you know, becoming everything that a little boy wanted to be, you know, wielding a laser sword and able to move objects with their mind. You know, that was one of the narratives that, that has stuck with me. And there's a couple scenes that have stuck with me that remind me of this gospel lesson every time I read it. You know, one of them is... Luke looking out with Yoda on Dagobah and Empire Strikes Back and seeing his X-wing stuck in the mud in the swamp. And Yoda says to him, well, why don't you just use the force and pick it up and put it down over there? Not exactly, but that's, exact, that's what, what the intention is. And so Luke tries and you see it shake a little bit and then pfft, back down to the swamp. And he said, I can't do it. It's too hard. And Yoda says, that's why you fail. And then you know, in a minute, we see the little green guy pick it up and do it as if it were nothing, right? You know, another, another thing that I remember is, uh, you know, everyone is scared and afraid of what it is that, that the empire is going to wreak on, on a Endor where the Ewoks live. And they're convinced that the empire is going to come in with their, with their ATST two-legged walkers and, and crush everybody. And the little guys end up winning because they were prepared as part of it. And part of it is they were also sneaky, and the Empire underestimated their sneakiness. But had they not had some sort of belief, some sort of faith, some sort of trust that they were able to do things that would affect even something that's so big as the Empire that spans the galaxy, if they just hadn't tried, then they would have gotten nowhere, right? We, uh, we all, I think, not just in this time in history, but I think every generation says, more than ever, we live in an age where we're afraid. Well, okay, 
More than ever, we live in an age that, that we're afraid because of, what, 9-11, because of terrorism, because of this, because of that, because of cell phones that may go off in the middle of the sermon. You know, these are things that are really striking and scary. But, but think about the generation before mine, Vietnam, Korea, World War II, World War I, you know, the, the Great War, the Civil War, the Revolutionary War. We can go all the way back through the ages and look at the things that people were afraid of. And generation after generation, every generation says, this generation more than ever has more to fear. And every generation has those people who rise up and spout that fear and and tell people to believe in that fear and tell people that what they should believe is that we're powerless and only I can protect you. And every generation we see those people proven wrong. And every generation, we see people rise up who say, when we rely on God, when we put our faith in what God has taught us, when we trust that what God gives us is enough, we will find our way through, and it won't be easy, but we'll get there together. And generation after generation, we see that proved right. So when we hear the disciples say to, the, say to Jesus, increase our faith, it's not just something that they were experiencing there. You know, this, to me, is the plight of the human experience. It's why Star Wars sticks out so much to me, because not just because it's a good American story of the little guy getting one over on the big guy, you know, the David and Goliath stories that we all enjoy, but because it's the story of someone who doesn't have a lot of power, who doesn't have a lot going for him, who grows up on a backwater world in the middle of nowhere in the galaxy and ends up through his friendships, through his relationships, through his dedication, through his faith and the, and the things that the people who taught him told him, was able to help to change the destiny of those people. And we think of ourselves as the people of God. You know, a lot of times we feel small. We feel like we don't have much influence. We feel like, you know, there's, there's only 50 of us in a room or 40 of us in a room or depending on where we are, you know, sometimes 20 or 10. I preached at a congregation for four and a half years, Trinity and Saluda, where, you know, on good Sundays, sometimes we would have 10. But the gospel isn't a gospel that is dependent on how big we are, how many people we have. It's not dependent on how good I am, how smart I am, how talented I am. It's not even dependent, thank God, on how faithful I am all the time, because if you're anything like me, Faithfulness sometimes is difficult and nearly impossible because we tend to be a people who are fickle, just like everybody who's come before us. It wasn't two or three weeks ago that we had the story of Moses on the mountain while God was literally writing the commandments. And at the base of the mountain, the people who God had led out of Egypt, out of slavery, through the desert, and fed manna, and led to this base of the mountain were melting down their jewelry to worship another God, right? We are the children of these people. And so faithfulness sometimes is difficult for us too. But what we see through the promise of God is that it isn't about us, which sometimes as Americans is difficult news because we we like for things to be about us. I like for things to be about me. I like for it to be about the things I'm going to get. I like for it to be how smart I am. I like for it to be about how good I am. I like for it to be, and if I knew what a bootstrap was, I'd say, I like for it to be about pulling myself up by my bootstraps because that means that I have control. The good news 
And this is the hard part for me, is that I don't have control over almost anything. And anyone who's married and has ever said anything that all of a sudden made their spouse angry, and then you wonder why, you know just how little control you have over anything, sometimes including the things that come out of your mouth, right? So if the good news is that I'm not in control and that it's not about my power and it's not about my goodness, it's not about my faithfulness, then what is the good news? Why is it good? The good news is that the one who creates us the one who calls us children through the waters of baptism, marks us with the cross of Christ, and seals us through the Holy Spirit, who feeds us with the body and blood of our Lord Jesus, broken and shed for us. The work that God does in and through and with us is the work of the one who is in control. And at that point, it doesn't matter how big we are. It doesn't matter how small we are. It doesn't matter, thank God, what we look like. What matters is that God has called us and claimed us for a purpose. And that purpose is to shine light into the darkness. That purpose is to declare to the world that is afraid, declare to the world that is broken, declare to the world that is separated, declare to the world that doesn't believe that anything good can happen again because we tend to be so stuck in our fear that there is hope, there is good news, there is renewal, there is a plan, there is a place, there is one who loves us, there is one who claims us. There is one who calls us out of our fear to stand in the light of God who gives us courage. And I say this realizing that probably in this congregation, like a lot of congregations, you may have occasionally people who say, well, we're small, there's not a lot we can do. It's tempting. I know how seductive that is because the myth, the lie, is that only big churches can make a difference, right? We, we think that sometimes. We drive by one of the Methodist churches or a Baptist church, and we see all the cars in the parking lot. And I know I'm not the only one who thinks this. Well, if only we had that many cars in our parking lot, we could really do something, right? Well, let me tell you the story about Providence in Lexington that I know. Providence in Lexington, about five or six years ago, was a congregation who isn't a whole lot bigger than y'all. And they decided, after hearing, I think, at Senate Assembly about a backpack program, where people pack backpacks full of food for kids at school who are on the free and reduced lunch program but don't have food on the weekends, those backpacks go home with those children. They heard this and they thought it was a great idea. So they started doing it and they got excited about it. And so they took a leap of faith and invested in this program, added to a budget that they didn't think they could afford, and they became the first congregation in that area to do this backpack ministry. Now, if any of y'all are familiar with Old Cherokee Road, you know that near where Providence is, is Mount Horeb United Methodist, who just put up a six or seven million dollar paid for building for youth and family ministry that they aren't allowed to put anything up on the walls in because it's such a nice building. So what is Mount Horeb here? This little congregation over here is doing a backpack ministry. Mount Horeb didn't start their own backpack ministry. They joined in with Providence. They joined in and helped the small congregation that all of a sudden had a large congregation joining in with their ministry. You know, pilgrims started the backpack ministry because of Providence. A lot of congregations in the area started their backpack ministry because a small congregation of faithful people asked, what is God calling us to do? When they figured it out, they said, now what are we going to do about it? And they did it. 
you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you may not be able to lift the next swing out of the swamp. But you sure can shine light into the darkness and make a difference in the area where you live. Make a difference in your families. Make a difference with your friends. Make a difference in your workplaces, in your schools. Make a difference in your community. Because where there is darkness, the smallest light pierces it and dispels it. And where there is light, there is no longer darkness. It doesn't take a lot. So in those moments where you have those conversations, what are we going to do? I encourage you to think about the plea of the disciples, increase our faith. Help us to figure out what it is we're called to do. And, and here in that also the question, God, how can we trust you? And that's, that's at the root of it too, right? I, I think I'm not the only one who sometimes has problems with trust. Partly because the only relationship I have aside, you know, the only relationship I have that's perfect is my relationship with God. Every other relationship I've had at some point in my life has let me down. And every relationship I've been in at some point I've let them down. That's part of being human. So, so it's understandable that occasionally we have trust issues, even with God. It's the only experience we have where the one we love is completely faithful 100% of the time and keeps every promise they ever make. So we think about that trust. We think about what it means to trust in God. And one of the images that, I've, that I get as I think about trust in God is the Lord's Prayer. You know, we, we say things in the Lord's Prayer like, give us this day our daily bread. Sometimes I hear that as hope, you know, especially when I was in college, give me this day my daily bread because, God, I'm hungry right now, right? <laughs> or, as a, or as a young pastor, you know, first starting out, sometimes it's give me this, this day my daily bread because we don't have any in the pantry. And pastors aren't the only people who experience this. You know, at, at almost 40, I'm able to start looking back and re, recast and redesign how those memories are and say, Oh, being a poor young couple was so romantic. That's bull. It stunk on ice. It was no fun. It's, it's no fun running out of check before you run out of week, right? Or month or however often you get paid. Sometimes, give us this day our daily bread is that article of hope. But how do we, how do we transfer that as the church from being something that we hope is going to happen, that maybe if we're faithful, God's going to give us our daily bread? That's not what Jesus says and turn it into an article of faith that God has promised to provide, that what God provides is enough, and what God has provided here is enough to do the work that God has called us to do. What does it look like when we as the church and we as people in our lives and in our families and in our workplace live out of a sense of trust that what God provides really is enough, that God is not only going to provide the vision but the means? Sometimes it looks like Someone who has the money providing the money and someone who has the energy providing the energy. Sometimes it looks differently than that. But I think that as we pray the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread, is not just something we hope for blindly, but it's something that we put our faith in as the people of God. You know, we think about what it means to forgive and the way that we're forgiven. It takes trust in God to be able to forgive people who really deserve not to be forgiven. We've all known and been those people in our lives there too, right? You know, what does it mean to, to take seriously that I seek forgiveness in the same way that I can trust God's love enough to forgive other people? You know, what does it look like when we take these things that we kind of talk about 
on Sunday mornings and turn them into the things that we use as the groundwork for our faith that allows us to trust in the God who promises that God is with us, that God is present, that even though we may not have control, and even though there are times in our lives where we may not be smart enough or talented enough or good-looking enough, God has the things that are needed to make the vision that God gives us happen. I think one of the things that we as the church are called to do is to stop trying to be who we're not. It's not likely that, you know, every congregation in the Lutheran church is going to all of a sudden become a megachurch overnight with six campuses, and I don't know that that's necessarily what we want. It is the truth that where two or more are gathered in the name of Jesus, God is present, and the church is there. Because the church isn't the building or the parking lot or the altar or, the, or any of the rest of it. The church is the people who are gathered in the name of Jesus. And where Jesus is there, God is able. So as we, as we think about how to carry this out into our communities, I want to encourage you this week to, to ask two questions in response to the plea that all of us have. Increase our faith. What is God calling me to do, calling us to do as God's people. And how are we going to answer that call? Amen.